the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored True Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. God can give us grace to suffer. And in fact, if we handle our suffering right, if we submit to the providence of God, if we don't fall into self-pity, if we don't become bitter in the bitter providence, we'll grow in grace. Our weakness will become the platform upon which God's strength will be put on display. That's the message of Paul, suffering grace. Let's be honest, nobody likes to suffer. Even our Savior asked for the cup of suffering to be removed when he anticipated his excruciating death on the cross. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Now think about the times that you really drew close to God. Was it during a season of success and prosperity or on the thorny path of trouble? Pastor Philip is using the Apostle Paul's life to give us confidence in our trials today. He's delivering the inspirational conclusion to a message titled, The Strength in Weakness. We're learning that grace isn't a leg up in the Christian experience, but grace underwrites the whole Christian experience. From the moment we come to Christ, coming after Christ, to being with Christ, it's all a matter of grace. And we have been looking at several aspects of God's grace in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 10. I want us to learn that God's grace is more than enough for you and I to bear whatever burden God sends and sanctions our way. It's what I call suffering grace. As we've said, Paul's credentials and character are being questioned. He reluctantly plays the trump card. He tells them about an experience where he was personally raptured to heaven. But remember, we shouldn't be surprised. In the second half of the telling of this story, Paul speaks about a thorn in the flesh given to him to humble him, to keep him from pride. Therefore, The telling of the vision of paradise is simply a segue in his desire once again the glory in his weakness and humble service for Christ. In fact, this is where I get my first thought. The providence, he's admitting that this thorn in his flesh as a result of his visit to heaven is a providence. It was given to me, although a messenger of Satan, it was given to me implication by God. And you know what? It has humbled me. And I have learned that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. This is what I call the providence, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. He prays for its removal. He struggles through this. It remains and he comes to see God's got a providence and a purpose in this. Now, As we look at the picture of the thorn, what was it? Well, 
Paul doesn't tell us. The picture is ambiguous. We don't know. But the purpose is not ambiguous. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Let's stop. Paul's saying, in the light of the fact, I went to the third heaven. He tells us what the third heaven was. It was paradise. It was the presence of God. An experience second to none. But even here he turns it to say, the end of the story is humility, infirmity, and in that I glory. The thorn produced a natural weakness in Paul that produced a supernatural strength in Paul through grace. So it brings us to the third thought, the providence of the thorn, the picture, the purpose, the providence. Because you see, Paul acknowledges that while Satan had a hand in this thorn, while Satan has targeted Paul with malice, God has permitted this. Much like God permitted Satan to touch Job back in Job 1 and 2, God has permitted, allowed, sovereignly designed that Satan can harass his servant, that Satan can give Paul a thorn, because God will use that to keep Paul humble, which will indeed open a door to a new experience of grace. So there is such a thing as a good bad. And even in the midst of harassment or even oppression from below, you and I need to remind ourselves that the devil is God's devil. Erwin Lutzer, former pastor of many church, said this, Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Apparently he roars to frighten us. He stalks and plots against us. But like the lion at the zoo, he is only free within the parameters of his cage. He roams only where God permits. That gives you a sense of confidence in the midst of life's conflicts and challenges. And let's move on. The providence, the prayer, things will speed up here a little bit. Look at verse 8. Concerning this thing, this thorn in the flesh, what we have now concluded as this providence from God. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. The implication is God did not remove the thorn at Paul's request, and He didn't answer Paul's prayer the way Paul prayed it. God often answers our prayers, but not in the fashion we prayed them. See, when it comes to answers to prayer, I think God will give you one of three or, I don't know, I could make an argument, four answers. I think God sometimes says, go, you get the green light. Sometimes God says, no, either because the prayer is illegitimate or even if it's legitimate, his wisdom is overruling your perceived wisdom. And he says, no, not good for you, not good now, good for someone else, but not you. And that's the red light. And then sometimes God says, slow. That's the orange light. Where God says, okay, we're going to get there, but not right now. I'm going to have you pray a little bit longer. That raises a question, doesn't it? Are you willing to trust God with the answer? In an act of genuine faith, will you, like Paul, enthusiastically, willingly accept the will of God? There's no stoic acquiescence here. There's no grim resignation. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast of my infirmity. He didn't get what he asked for directly, but he got what he had hoped for indirectly, which was relief. But the relief came through grace that cushioned the weakness. So let's move on. The prayer, the providence, the promise, the promise. God does not offer Paul relief in a direct fashion. He offers him a promise. Look at verse 8 again. Concerning this thing, this thorn, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart. And he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, we're going to take a different road here. We'll end up in the same destination, but a different road. The thorn will remain, but I will help you deal with the thorn through a compensating strength, through grace sufficient. Now, grace in this context is God's energy. Or as we see in verse 10, the power of Christ resting on the believer. Those are interchangeable. Verse 9, my grace is sufficient. Look at verse 9 at the end of it, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. By the way, it's an interesting little phrase, rest upon me. It was used of the Shekinah glory resting on the temple, inhabiting God's house. And Paul is admitting here that, you know what, this thorn has opened the door, has provided an opportunity to experience God's grace in an abundant, sufficient manner. And he says it's glorious. That's why I can glory in it. I take pleasure in my infirmities because you know what? The glory of God's grace is inhabiting me like the Shekinah glory rested on the temple. Beautiful. And he wants us to know that this power that rests on him like a glory is incessant, abundant, complete, never-ending. It's a self-replenishing river of spiritual resource. Because my grace is sufficient is in the present tense. My grace is constantly sufficient. Interestingly, too, that little phrase, he said to me, that's in the perfect tense. Now, in the Greek, the perfect tense speaks of an event that has taken place, the results of which continue. So you can kind of read it like this. And he said to me, and it is still good. From the moment he said it till now, it's still good. His grace is constantly sufficient. And that's why his strength can be made perfect in my weakness. It's beautiful, isn't it? It takes us to John 1. Of his fullness, speaking of Christ, John says, we have received grace for grace. You might have a translation, grace upon grace, or grace in the place of grace. That's what the Greek communicates. And the great Bishop Hanley Mole of England illustrated by saying, imagine you stood by a, a flowing river. Now, to the eye, it looks like one piece of water flowing in a constant direction. But if you would go and maybe you know, pick one of your feet as a marker and just keep your eye on the side of the bank and the water that's going by, you'll see that it's running water. And in reality, while it's one river, it's water replacing water, replacing water, replacing water. It's water in the place of water. And that's the analogy. Whatever your thorn, whether it's a person who won't get out of your way, whether it's an illness that's stubborn, whether it's a continuing situation in life of which there seems to be no relief, there is grace. There is energy from God. There is power through Jesus Christ that will rest in you in a manner that it will allow you to live one day after another day after another day because grace will replace grace will replace grace. And it will do it in such a manner that you are sufficient. You are up for whatever life throws your way. That's the promise. And by the way, to quote Warren Wearsby again, he says somewhere in his writings that we live on promises, not explanations. That's true. And Paul's living on this promise that God's grace is sufficient. In fact, in his book, Grace, Max Licato, I think, 
helps me illustrate this and apply it. These are good words. Listen to him as he addresses this very text, John 1.16, this very issue, grace sufficient. Here's what he says. Plunge a sponge into Lake Erie. Did you absorb every drop? Take a deep breath. Did you suck the oxygen out of the atmosphere? Pluck a pine needle from a tree in Yosemite. Did you deplete the forest of foliage? Watch an ocean wave crash against the beach. Will there never be another one? Of course there will. No sooner will one wave crash into the sand than another appears, then another, then another. This is a picture of God's sufficient grace. Grace is simply another word for God's tumbling, rumbling reservoir of strength and protection. It comes at us, not occasionally, not miserly, but constantly and aggressively, wave upon wave. We have barely regained our balance from one breaker, and then, bam, here comes another. Grace upon grace. We dare to hang our hat and stake our hope on the gladdest news of all. If God permits the challenge, He will provide the grace needed for it. Amen? That's the message of Paul. Suffering grace. God can give us grace to suffer. And in fact, if we handle our suffering right, if we submit to the providence of God, if we don't fall into self-pity, if we don't become bitter in the bitter providence, we'll grow in grace. And in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, our weakness will become the platform upon which God's strength will be put on display. Brings us to the final thought, the perspective. The perspective. We've kind of touched on it the whole way along, but we'll just drill down into it for a few moments. What is the perspective? Well, stated plainly, it is thorns have a value. Stated plainly, thorns have a value. We're back to this idea of putting the hedge trimmer down. Leave the thorn alone. If by now it seems within the providence of God, you may have done the right thing and gone to a doctor. You may have done the right thing and gone to try and reconcile with that person. You may have done the right thing and prayed to God to remove the impediment. But over time, and in a way, it becomes clear to you, this is God's will, at least for now. Put the hedge trimmer down. Embrace the thorn and realize it has a value. It's a weapon in the hand of Satan. It's a tool in the hand of God. And let God grow you through it. God is drawn to people who are weak and admit it. You know, we can be too big for God to use, but never too small. Paul doesn't want the thorn. He's already prayed for its removal. God has not permitted that, and he has come to realize this, that the thorn has good results. So Paul doesn't want the thorn, but he comes to appreciate what the thorn brings, what the thorn gives, what the thorn does. It helps him lean on God with a new sense of neediness. The thorn makes him weak, and in his weakness, he's made strong in grace. And in a state of weakness, Christ's power rests mightily on him. I mean, this takes us back to the very beginning of his first letter, doesn't it, to the Corinthians? Chapter 1, verse 27, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God's attracted to weakness, disability, handicap, inability. Because it's in that context His power is put on display. Remember, this isn't some justification of Christian masochism or asceticism or as some did in the centuries following the early church, early martyrdom. They thought it was meritorious to punish yourself 
to beat yourself down, to go looking for thorns, to be a thorn in the Roman Empire's side so that they will martyr you and you'll have a glorious death and God will love you more because of it. No, that's not what's being talked about here. This is for Christ's sake. This is about us. This is about Christ as gospel and what his grace produces. And know what it produces in the midst of hardship, in the midst of need. It produces strength and power in the needy heart. I like what J.I. Packer says, Paul's physical weakness guarded him against spiritual sickness. Paul's physical weakness guarded him against spiritual sickness, against pride. It was only as he found his insufficiency that he discovered God's sufficiency. So a couple of little applications and we'll be done. Number one, and I want to be sensitive here, because I know many of you are going through some rather difficult trials, but being sensitive, I still have to say this, quit focusing on your thorn, on your handicap, on your weakness. Because if dependence upon God is the objective, weakness can be an advantage. Suffering is not alleviated or made easier by identifying the cause or blaming someone else, but by making the right response. And the right response is when God makes it clear within his providence that your thorn at least is going to stay for a while or for much longer, you need to have a right response. You need to glory in it. You need to think this through. When I am weak, I am strong. This presses me down. And you know what? God gives grace to the humble and resists the pride. So if, if this empties me, of dependence upon myself, if this reminds me of my limited wisdom, if this throws me in God's direction, then I'm going to glory in my infirmity. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. See, life is 10% what you make it. It's 90% how you take it. Right responses are so important. That's why you need to stop focusing all your efforts in removing difficulties in your life. Because you will have difficulties in your life. And if you handle them correctly, while they're meant to be a weapon in Satan's hand, they're actually a tool in God's hand. And the last thought, Hudson Taylor says, all of God's servants have been weak men who reckoned on God being with them. That's what Paul's arguing here. I gladly would rather boast of my infirmity that the power of Christ might rest in me. I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproach, in need, in persecution, in distress. Not pleasure in the infirmity itself, but pleasure in what Christ does with it. It's for Christ's sake. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. You see, when you and I are weak, God's grace stands the greatest chance to manifest itself in our lives in a more glorious and intensive manner. God's power is drawn to human weaknesses. A flower is drawn to the sunlight, and its iron filings are drawn to a magnet. This is the opposite of contemporary Christianity, which preaches avoidance of suffering and sickness, deliverance from any form of weakness. No, classic Christianity understood that weakness was the path to strength, that God delights to put his power on display in the context of human frailty. Back in chapter 4, verse 7 of this passage, we are the clay jars that house the treasure of the gospel. Let's Listen to Johnny Erickson Tara. She lives it, doesn't she? She's a wonderful servant of God. She's lived this. 
embracing the weakness that she might be strong. So I'll let her tell of how she envisions meeting God in heaven. Here's what she says. You know, though, I always say that in a way I hope I can take my wheelchair to heaven with me. I know that's not biblically correct, but if I were able, I would have my wheelchair up in heaven right next to me when God gives me a brand new glorified body. And I will then turn to Jesus and say, Lord, do you see that wheelchair right there? Well, you were right when you said that in this world we will have trouble because that wheelchair was a lot of trouble. But Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you, and the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. So thank you for what you did in my life through that wheelchair. And now I always say jokingly, you can send that wheelchair to hell if you want. (laughs) A messenger of Satan to buffet her, but given to her by God to make her lean hard. And the harder she leant, the stronger God was. That's the strength of weakness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful passage. Help us along with Paul to wrestle past the human response, the natural response of praying for relief. We thank you sometimes, Lord, you do relieve us. Sometimes you do heal us. Sometimes in your providence, you take away those things that you allowed for a time. But at other times, those things remain and they handicap us. And they're a bear under our saddle. They're a pebble in our shoe. They're a thorn in our side. And initially, we don't like it. Help us not to surrender to self-pity. Help us to wrestle past this in prayer, in reading God's providence and waiting upon God and coming to see that our very weakness becomes the portal for a new experience of God's grace, sufficient grace. Oh, Lord, we thank you for that image from Max Licato. We've been at the beach We've been pounded by the waves. We've been rolled over. We get on our feet and one hits us again. What a picture of the grace of God. We no sooner get our footing and bam, another wave of your grace comes in. Oh, we thank you for that. Help us to embrace our infirmity. Help us to thank you for our thorns. Help us to see a value in them for Jesus' sake. Help us to put the heads cutter down. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a transforming prayer to conclude Philip DeCourcy's message titled The Strength and Weakness. You're listening to Know the Truth. Hear all three parts of this message when you visit ktt.org. It's free to listen online because it's our desire to make the Word of God accessible so that everyone can know the truth and grace provided in Jesus Christ. Now, as the month draws to a close, we're nearly through the brand new Total Grace series, but there's so much more in store. And as we finalize our 2019 broadcast schedule, we want to hear from you. So visit us online and take the KTT Listener Survey. Tell us what you need most. There are just two more days to take the survey online at ktt.org. Another way you can support the ministry of Know the Truth is with a one-time gift or a monthly donation. Check out all the giving options online at ktt.org. Or call us at 888-644-8811. And when you give $25 or more, we'll send you a book by C.L. Chase titled Grace-Focused Optimism. 
It's one of the resources that Phil has been referencing throughout the Total Grace series. And it's no wonder this book is teeming with encouraging insights about the many dimensions of God's grace. Grace that saves us and grace that keeps us. Contact Know the Truth today with a generous financial gift and request the book, Grace-Focused Optimism. You can also request a copy when you become a Truth Ambassador, signing up to give a monthly donation. Call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we want to welcome you with a free CD message that's a great tool for evangelism. It's called A New Beginning, and it's the first message in our Total Grace series. Ask for the free CD when you call 888-644-8811. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us tomorrow for another message from the Total Grace series, right here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. How many say... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.